Talk of the Clones, presented by Best One Since the Next One. I'm your trusty Star Wars correspondent, Stephanie. And I'm her Star Wars obsessed twin, Allison. And we're a couple of real-life renegade clones who will be covering our favorite fictional renegade clones as we discuss season two of The Bad Batch. We are here to not talk about... We skipped a few episodes because we did record for the past... uh, For episodes um, five and six. They were great episodes, but then these episodes came out. We weren't about to release. We just didn't feel, we just felt like, let's just jump ahead. These episodes changed the game. Um, and as much as I loved the episodes that preceded this, um, I, I really don't feel like talking about them that much after this because, I mean, I feel like this is where it's at. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I mean, I just need to say this is not in any way suggesting that I didn't love the episodes five and six because I really did. Entombed for me. Tribe like, Tribe was so good. Like all of the yes. Wookiee stuff was amazing. Entombed was fantastic with the just like kind of Legend of Zelda um Raiders of the Lost Ark vibes. It was just spectacular. Yeah, you really, I yeah. loved that episode. But they're pretty self contained. They're fun ones. Mm-hmm. Tribe was a little less so. I'm hesitating to call Tribe a fun one, but yeah. it was self-contained. Yes, yes. Unlike these two episodes, which were incredible, um, I guess we'll just go in with the titles. These were like the mid-season double episode arc was released uh, two at a time. Episode seven, The Clone Conspiracy, followed by episode eight, Truth and Consequences. Both fantastic. Could be like seen as I, I mean I think they stand alone as separate episodes but also like they work just so well together incredible and I can't wait to see where the show goes from here um yeah I don't know what did you think initial thoughts um I don't know if you could hear me as you were just titling or you just you know naming the titles it was just a deep heavy sigh of you know that feeling when you are so bowled over by something and yeah it just kind of hits you like the magnitude of like how far we've come with the clones as vital part of Star Wars. That's where I stand with these two two episodes. Like, yeah, yeah, that's my my hot take. I just feel so blessed to have become obsessed with the clones in time to enjoy this incredible clone renaissance. It felt like watching some of the best episodes, political episodes of the Clone Wars. But I mean, honestly, because it's so fresh in mind, it felt like watching Andor. It was so good. So much within the Senate. And I just kept on thinking of Andor. And And, and outside the Senate, all the intrigue and everything. It was very um, complex, uh, pertinent themes. Um, It was so good. All right. I guess let's just get into it. Like Mm -hmm. these were um, absolute incredible episodes really showing off where the talent behind the bad batch is like this is why this is one of my favorite star wars shows um this uh episode star d bradley baker as uh, a lot of clones because there's a lot of clones in it not um not just the ones we've been seeing so senator chuchi from the clone wars is back mm-hmm yeah she's back Voiced by Jennifer Hale. I didn't know that. Um, she probably yeah, was the hey. voice for her in the last one. Um, yeah, because I know she's done a few things for Clone Wars in the past. Steven Stanton as Masamita, our blue boy. 
Yeah, he's not a real boot boy because we don't like him. Yeah, he's not a chiss, so. Just a side note, and we're not going to get into it. Usually when Stephanie and I refer to our boot boy, we're talking about Thrawn, and that's a whole nother subject we're not going to get yeah. into. So I bristled a little bit at you calling him our blue boy because he is Sorry. not. Sorry. I know, I know. Boy. I know he's not. He's not. He's he's just blue. And I guess technically a boy. He's not a boy. <laughs> let's let's get no. off the subject. He doesn't earn that. He doesn't earn that. All right. The moniker is not his. No, he cannot be called a boy. Uh, no. He's not my boy. <laughs> We do not support Masamita in this house. Okay, so no, we're going to. We do. We do. In, in, in our prequel of We Do, it, in a separate sense. We're not going to get into it. Okay, no, we're not, we don't support Masamita in this house. <laughs> no, but we like his appearance because it makes we, us think of episode yes, one and episode we two. So you're right. That. You're right. That's good, all good I'm going to say. Good you point. get excited when he comes on screen. <sighs> you're right. You're right. Okay. Let's focus. This episode opens it's getting on completely derailed by Mass. Yeah. <laughs> so we open on Coruscant, and I am immediately screaming. Like we saw a flash of, I think, did we see Coruscant in the trailers? We only saw a flash of the Senate in the trailers, didn't we? In the trailer for season two. Well, we saw the part where Cody is speaking in front of the memorial, and if you know, you've got oh to yeah, 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 that's that takes place on Coruscant. Okay, so we mm-hmm. have been to Coruscant before this season, but it wasn't like establishing shots. We are on Coruscant, but this opened with a big old establishing shot of Coruscant and my Coruscant loving heart was just like, yes, just like it was every time we got a nice Coruscant establishing shot on Andor or anytime we get a Coruscant bit. When we had that bit that looked like Coruscant in the trailer for uh, Mando coming up, I was like, Coruscant. Mm-hmm. I hope that's Coruscant. <sighs> I hope so. Better be. Um, all right. So we got Coruscant where we've got a bunch of clones at their little clone bar hanging out. We've, I think this is the same clone bar we've seen before from like the fives arc. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another brilliant like clone arc full of intrigue. Oh, and yeah, we've got two clones having a conversation. Um, Slip and Cade. And they're having a conversation about Admiral Rampart's lies regarding the destruction of Camino and their guilt about having participated in it, which is just so cool to see that brought back because I mean, we didn't know, like we know that that Rampart is like covering up the idea, the possibility that the Bad Batch is still alive. But I I wasn't expecting like follow up on the whole Camino thing. I mean, I was just like, yeah, that's what the Empire does. They wipe things out and they get away with it. But this was Exciting and unexpected. I don't know. What do you think? I completely agree. And can I just say that it really highlighted for me just the absurdity that continues to come up with the Empire's ridiculous excuses for what happens to the planets and people they destroy. You know, oh, it was a storm. And then like when Jeddah is destroyed, oh, it was a mining accident. A mining accident. Yeah. A storm on Camino, a planet that is literally designed for a atmosphere of constant storms. Yeah, and then when Jetta, it's like a mining accident and it destroys like like the entire half of a planet. And you're like, okay, hmm, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They it's really wild. don't try. Their messaging does not try at all. Well, they know they don't have to. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's the scary part. That's what this is all about. But mm-hmm. like, all right, so that he's they're getting pissed off. They're feeling guilty. <sighs> 
Yeah. So basically this other, the, not slip, but um, Cade. Cade is, yeah, Cade is telling, he's like, all right, well, I've had enough of all of this. I sent a message to Rampart telling him that he needs to tell the truth or else I'm going to testify in, in the Imperial Senate about what happened, mm-hmm. which is bold, bold move. And I'm also wondering, like, did he just slide into his DMs? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what was your message? And what exactly, I mean, in my, I mean, again, I'm not in his position, but to me, I would just skip that step and go straight to the Senate. Like, you know, you're risking your life already. Yeah. Does he really think Rampart's going to be like, okay, you got me. Yeah. Just no, he's not going to. I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about this. So yeah. I guess daring you to kill me. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and then what happens is they mm-hmm. go outside the bar and he asks, Kate asks Slip for help and then is immediately shot dead by a sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, a mysterious masked sniper who again, immediately tries to kill Slip as well. Slip gets away. He slips away. And then we cut to our beloved Senate chamber. I was fascinated to see it because this is the Imperial Senate now. Mm-hmm. I think this is our first look at the Imperial Senate like so close after the founding of the Empire because we have to remember that the Empire has been in existence for like a year or so. We saw it in Andor and one of the notable things about Andor was that the Senate was kind of sad looking, like mm-hmm. very little attendance of senators, like empty yeah. pods everywhere, very limited participation. It, you could tell a lot of people had sort of given up on like keeping up the illusion of it all. That was like something people noticed, obviously, and or takes place sometime after this. This Senate is popping. Every pod seems pretty full. It's like they're just like, okay, well, we're just continuing as normal. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned kind of the sort of unusual um, absence of Palpatine, suggesting that you know, he maybe at the very beginning of his role as emperor was more hands on in the Senate the way that he was when he was chancellor. And so the do fact you that think that they here, they suggested it as unusual? Because I got from that moment that they were referring to it as like he's never around anymore. Like you think that maybe after his announcement, at he the just end of stopped the showing up. Just, yeah, which yeah, stopped showing up. Yeah, I mean, that's in, possible, too. I think that 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 adds a little more impact to what happens at the end of this arc. Yeah. I mean, it could be a really abrupt absence or it could have been like, you know, somewhat more gradual, but either way, considering how recently this is like maybe a little over a year out from the events of Revenge of the Sith, you know, he has made the choice to no longer appear in the Senate. As yeah, I, I definitely interpret it. Well, let's get to that part. We've got the senators arguing about the upcoming Imperial Defense Recruitment Bill vote. This is a bill that's been introduced by Rampart. I guess as a member of the military, he can do that because they're like, you know, military dictatorship now. It's a bill that is essentially putting the final nail in the coffin of the clones. It's a bill that would end the clone program completely, officially, and put in funds for recruitment and everything needed for a full refocusing on recruited troops and uh, Imperial stormtroopers. And that makes sense coming from him and happening at this stage in the game because, you know, the first season is all about his role as the head of the project to kind of test that 
that program and see mm-hmm. how viable it is. And that's what you see from the very beginning of season one to the end of season one when he decides that it is viable and then destroys Camino, you know, and you know, yeah. destroys the Kaminoan program. Yeah. Um, and now he's kind of basically trying to put it into the official laws of the the empire with this bill. And we also get a surprise appearance from Senator Tynra Palmlo, who is the senator from Rogue One, the one who's mm-hmm. like, if the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? Yeah, um, and I was not the kind of person who knows her by name, but I immediately recognized her. I recognized her, her immediately, yeah, and I she sounded that. exactly the same. I'm not sure if it's the same actress, but she was animated exactly the same. I was like, there she is. Yeah, um, I always loved her in Rogue One. So yeah, I mean, she was. we don't know much about her, but she is an interesting uh, character and plays a pivotal like dialogue role in that extremely pivotal scene in Rogue One. Yeah, she makes an impression. Yeah, great to see more of her. And yeah, she's saying that there's more pressing matter. We don't need a new military, but uh, the senators who are in favor of the bill um, are talking about how they need to quell insurgencies in the mid-rim and outer rim. So we already have rebel activity happening. You know, we've seen that a little bit, but that's that's interesting to see. And it's interesting to see it, you know, referred to as insurgencies. And then Bail Organa, our boy, shows up. Uh, he's there and he says that they already have a Grand Army of the Republic. And he notes pointedly that they have no idea where Emperor Palpatine stands on the defense recruitment bill since he is absent from Senate proceedings. And we have a very similar shot to the one that we got in Andor where it sort of goes and looks and you see that there is no no emperor in the uh, chancellor's like central pod. And there's just Massimeda there, which Massimeda was not even there in uh, Andor, maybe because we couldn't handle it. In live action, we weren't ready, or maybe because, I mean, more likely on also because even Massimita is not showing up. Like, it's they're, they're so done with the illusion. But I, I thought that was a fun little, fun little callback. And it, that gave me the sense, and I know that you had a different interpretation, but that gave me the sense that I think that the emperor just tapped out the second he declared it's an emperor. And no, uh, you know what? You've an, convinced empire. me. I'm on your side of that. Plus, he's so creepy looking, you know? Yeah, that's, well, that's the thing I thought about because I remember some of the, like, other media, like, comics and novels that come out um, sort of expand on this, that he kind of retreats from public view after what happened that made him look so terrifying in Revenge of the Sith and the kind of image, the public image that most people continue to see of him is... Yeah, not that way, which you kind of get in that serious finale of Rebels when, you know, you see him and he looks like the kindly grandfatherly Palpatine you remember from the prequels. And then he gets all fucked up again when sort of the illusion is dropped. I think he just doesn't like to show himself because it's like he's so scary. He's so obviously evil. evil. (laughs) Just I mean, (laughs) he just looks evil. Yeah. So Basically, Rio Chuchi shows up and she is Miss I am here to fight on behalf of the clones. And she pipes in and is saying like, okay, so if we shut down the clones, what happens to them? They are human beings uh, and they're going to need some sort of plan. You can't just say I on your own, like for these soldiers who are literally created for the purpose of war and nothing else. So um, are we going to have any 
uh, protections in place, any social security for them, anything to help them adjust to a post-war life. And they're all like, uh, yeah, Rampart's like, oh, clones, human? Uh, what? <laughs> no. And she's like, okay, well, and so he's like, all right, well, we'll do, we'll do something for them. And she's like, well, do you even know what they, what they want, what they need? They're not represented in the Senate, which is like, oh my God. Yeah. They really don't think they're human at all. They don't have any representation in the Senate. Like you could say Camino previously could have spoke for them technically, but Camino considered clones to be property and then consider them to be human. So no. Yeah. And I mean, like, reflecting real world conversations in terms of like, you know, how we support people who have served in wars for us. It, even if you do settle on the basic, you know, fact that they're human beings, it, that's still sometimes not enough to, you know, take care of them. Yeah. You know, yep. as, as human beings. I know. So this, this felt like a very real episode in a lot of ways. So then... Rampart's like, okay, I'll work with you. He's like, concedes that he knows that it's going to be too much trouble if he doesn't. So he concedes to work with uh, Rio Chuchi, quote unquote, work with her uh, to come up with a plan for the clones. Um, and then after the Senate hearing, Masamita has a little conversation with Rampart where he's like, yeah, you better not uh, mess this up or else you're going to be in trouble with, uh, with Palps. So make sure everything's under control. And this is a classic episode, a classic example that you see in Star Wars again and again, like with, I was thinking about Krennic a lot in Rogue One, where the underlings who are basically tasked with overseeing these big grand plans that the Empire has in place are then the ones to take the fall as at the earliest possible convenience when even the slightest thing goes wrong, you know? And yeah. I love Krennic and I hate... Um, Rampart, Rampart yeah. but their whole situation very, very similar. Senator Chuchi goes to the uh, the clone bar uh, to ask clones in person what they want to do, what they need, and they're all just utterly taken aback by the possibility of not being soldiers anymore. To the point that they're being kind of hostile with her. They're like, we don't want pensions. We don't want to like live civilian lives. We want to be out there fighting. Uh, and they're like, we want to fight insurgents. We want to do what the the stormtroopers are doing right now. It's like just so sad because you're like, oh, my God, these guys have literally no. And we've seen this the entirety of the Bad Batch. They literally have no other idea of how to be. And when she's like, well, what happens when you're too old to fight? And that one clone's like, well, uh, that consideration was never part of our training. It's like, oh my God, you're like, that's not part of your training? Like, holy shit, this is so Everything sad. about how you conceive of yourself, like your entire selfhood is based off of your training. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. It's like, and then she talks some sense into them and I guess they start, we don't see it, but it seems like they're like, okay, they're very sad about it, but they talk to her about things they need. I'm assuming they're like, well, I guess we'll need money. Like these poor things, they don't even know. We saw it with the Bad Batch already. They don't like, they've never had to like have jobs. I know. They've never it's had to like, much like have money. <laughs> they've never had $20 to like can buy many peanuts. <laughs> Explain how. <laughs> Yeah, money can be exchanged for goods and services. It's like yeah. that, but it's like sad because, I mean, 
the other thing that I think is sad about it is I don't think that it's that one conversation that she chooses to have with them that fully is what converts them because you know they've been having this conversation among themselves for a long time before she shows up at this bar. But they don't want to come to any kind of conclusion because if they come to any kind of conclusion and then make their needs known, that's them admitting publicly both to themselves and to, you know, the galaxy at large that they are usefulness is over that they're basically dead in terms of what they were created for yeah it's like how to find it's it's this whole series is honestly about how to find like your reason for existing when your only reason for existing has ever been war it's like oh my god this is heavy stuff Mm -hmm. all right so Chuchi's like, all right, thanks for talking to us. And then after everyone leaves, Slip pulls Chuchi aside. Is like, okay, so do you really want to help the clones? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, well, then let me tell you what's really going on. Um, there is a conspiracy happening. The Camino was not really destroyed in a cataclysmic storm. It was destroyed by Rampart's uh, Star Destroyer with us on it. We were there. We witnessed it. We participated in it. And he's covering it up. And apparently we didn't even know this, but like that attack on Camino wasn't just that one city. And, you know, Topoka city looked pretty abandoned, but like, I guess there were attacks all over and they basically just wiped out the entire Kaminoan population. Pretty standard for them. We saw them do that with uh, Geonosis. Geonosis, yeah. And they just seem to do that. (laughs) They like to do that and like, yeah, they like to, it's it's quite literally overkill. They just kind of like to destroy entire civilizations when there's anything inconvenient about their existence. Not as if they could use them, you know, like for cloning later on, as we'll see in the future. Um, Not but, as if they'll regret that decision. Yeah, so you got to save just one scientist and you'll be cool. Like, come mm-hmm. on, guys. All right, so she's shocked to hear this and she asks for him to... Um, offer proof and he says that the proof is that there is a backup recording of the uh, command log on his on ramparts uh venerator class star destroyer and he made sure to save that even though the original uh records got destroyed and she says okay but can you um testify because i don't we can't get that so can you testify it before the senate and he's like no because they're trying to kill me they're going to try and kill me if i do that because they've already killed people so chuchi's disturbed and she goes back and starts asking her staff to try and find files on this guy yeah basically i guess to assume that like he's trying to be like i'm a reliable person i don't make shit up yeah mm-hmm. and also and also you'll be able to see that i've been working under the command of this guy like yeah presuming they haven't scrubbed that and we see Slip later on uh, going into an alley on Coruscant. We get lots of like nice sneaking around in urban settings, shots and stuff. Once again, major, major Andor vibes. Um, mm-hmm. And he is contacting a mysterious individual over Comlink asking for help to escape off world. So he's like, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And then we've got Chu Chi confronting Admiral Rampart um mm-hmm. with her uh plan request for a full pension plan for the clones and rampart's like okay well that's gonna cost a lot uh and she's like well um i'm going to withhold my support for the bill if you don't uh look at this proposal she's playing hardball 
And then Chuchi looks a little troubled and she asks Rampart for a little more detail about Camino and what happened mm-hmm. there. And yeah, I, I was wondering what her ploy there was. Was she trying, was she genuinely thinking she might get a, a real kind of sense from him? Or was she trying to play like a little, I might know more than you think I know, try to make him squirm a bit, and then maybe that would get him to more immediately, without question, grant her proposal because she has some, she's suggesting she has some shit on him. I mean, it could have been either. I thought she was like, she seemed to be genuinely like, I wonder, wonder how he'll react. Yeah, but she's smart too. I don't know. I feel like there could have been two sides to that. It, it's so um, interesting that nobody really thought until this guy told her, like, to question what happened on Camino, mm-hmm. despite how ridiculous it sounds, because this is the empire so new. Yeah. And it also suggests to me something that you've seen in previous episodes of The Clone Wars, that the concept of Camino as a part of the war just was extremely detached from, like, the general sense of the galaxy, you know, like exactly what they did, exactly how the clones were created. Like it, mm-hmm. it was very mysterious from the beginning and they just kind of accepted it and then just kind of continued to give them money and let them operate and do their thing and never really knew what was going on there. So when they're told mm-hmm. this, I mean, how many actual people outside of like, you know, the Jedi who were helping to train the clones and maybe mm-hmm. a few representatives had even been to Kamino? Like maybe the idea of a superstorm was plausible to them because nobody had ever gone there and realized that the entire civilization was already built to withstand superstorms. So that doesn't make any sense. People were just like, oh, sound well. I know this planet is very stormy, covered in water. Makes sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah, honestly. but It's stupid, but people are stupid. And they're stupid in Star Wars, just the way they're stupid in real life. (laughs) I know, it's it's too real. Yeah, so then Chuchi is... She gets a like a secure communication and she goes and she meets our old pal, Senator Organa, who starts talking to her about what's going on. And he's like, yeah, you caused a stir in the Senate yesterday. And he starts bringing up some points that are like, hmm. He's like, he brings up the, that point where he's like, it's really interesting, this timing that there's this big Kaminoan storm that destroys all of the cloning facilities. And then the defense recruitment bill gets introduced right after and he's also like, also, uh, Topoka City was designed to weather superstorms and was fully submersible. So just kind of odd. And you're like, thank you. Thank you, Bale, for saying it. Because come on. Weird. Just a bit weird. <laughs> a bit weird. And then Chuchi tells him what she heard from the co- clone. And he's like, okay, well, where's that clone? And she's like, I don't know, but we're looking for him. And he's like, okay, but look out, because I'm sure you're not the only ones looking for him. Meanwhile... He's not because Rampart is talks to this creepy assassin guy to say, you know, kill off this uh, slip uh, guy and Chuchi too, if she keeps being in trouble and make sure it doesn't come back to me. So then Slip is off. He's trying to meet someone. Chuchi cuts him off and is like, hey, I need you your help in exposing what's going on. And he's like, um, she's with her guards, but he's like, no, 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 bad, bad, bad. And then boom. Someone kills Slip. So he was right. And starts shooting at Chuchi too. Her One of her guards is killed. Her other guard leads her into this creepy, like, boiler room. Reminded me of that 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 uh, defunct factory in Andor. Yeah, I was Andor vibes. 
yeah, so cool. And this Very is cool. so cool. The way it's all shrouded in like steam. Yeah. And it's like, you don't see anything, but there's the blaster bolts. Her, her guard already got shot once, then he gets killed and Chi-Chi is fleeing alone in the factory now. The assassin's chasing her and then she runs into uh, Captain Rex, who was the person who poor Slip was going to meet. Continuing what we saw of him, he's helping rogue clones out. Um, they subdue the assassin mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Rex and Chuchi bring the assassin to a repair shop uh, in the lower depths of Coruscant. That is the Motez sisters repair shop. Nice. Yeah. Little, nice. I, I, yeah. We immediately recognized it, but it makes sense because he, they were working for him last mm-hmm. season. I don't know. Yeah. I want to know how that started, but yeah, I loved that. Yeah. And then this was fascinating. All right, so they have previously unmasked this assassin. It's and it's just some random clone. Yeah, she's Chuchi is shocked and is like, "Why would a clone trooper do something like this?" Rex is like, "Well, this he's not a trooper," which I at first was like, "Is he some sort of changeling like an attack of the clones? Is he like mm-hmm. pretending to be someone?" That's what I my first thought was too. Now I think he was mainly mainly just saying, well, he's not a real trooper or something. I don't know. I don't know what he is, is what he said. Yeah, there's something different about this one. Yeah, so they they have him at the repair shop. They're going to question him, but the clone refuses to answer any of the questions. And he doesn't have any kind of formal identification on him, which is weird for a clone. Because yeah. they all do. I, I mean, I don't know if it's like, Something that's like biologically, you know, imprinted yeah. like into them, or if it's like there's something weird about the fact that he's unrecognizable and unidentifiable. But he is a clone, and he then clone, he yeah. says, Rex asks, "Who are you?" to him, and he says, "I'm a believer." And then he bites a suicide pill and kills himself. End of episode. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I'm not going to start singing the monkeys right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. I was really... Definitely... Yeah, I know. Well, you, you literally just did, and I was going to, too. But but that kind of takes away. Just slightly, just slightly. When I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, that was so good. And then I was like, oh, I'm a believer. <laughs> Listen, well, sorry. it also reminded me of my favorite episode of The Mandalorian. Of course, of course. How can but we forget that? There is something about that line that really just bowled me over. Oh, my God. The end of the episode. Because yeah. What does that mean? Like, I mean, I think that that's so scary. That because uh-huh. I think that he, this guy, I think this is just an example that Crosshair isn't the only clone who is going the opposite way to like justify what's going on because i get the sense this guy started out as a regular clone trooper that's the sense i get i think that this is like some sort of scary alternate which crosshair is not the only clone who has to go all in on being a believer in the empire in order to justify what they do in their existence Mm-hmm. to this point yeah. like i don't know that's how i interpret it but like that's obviously how i interpret it too but it also is like it's like a, a harbinger or something like you get the suggestion oh, it's so scary that, that this is going to be like crosshair is not the only one and this guy's not the only one and like yeah the future is like these civilian recruits but there's something else going on here 
Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, is this like some sort of secret program? Are they like, I don't know, is there going to be like a clone civil war? Like, what's happening? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm a believer. So that's the end of uh, episode The Clone Conspiracy, and there was no batch in it. So we get into our next episode, Truth and Consequences, and we got the batch in this one. The episode title, I was immediately, we were immediately joking about Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, because we're from New Mexico. But now that. I mean, it also is the name of a game show, which is. Okay, fine. Yeah, I only think of it as. Consequences. Well, the, the the town is named after the game show. It's a long story. Yeah, but in the context <laughs> of the of what happens in this episode, that title and now mm-hmm. the name of that town in New Mexico and mm-hmm. that game show and everything. Mm-hmm. They have really good pie there. They do have really good pie. Oh, damn. That pie is so good. If only they could eat pie in this episode and not have to have anything bad happen. That's just like, oh, they're, they're going to Truth and Consequences to eat some pie. That's not what happens. <laughs> It's very dark, and that epi- that title really rings in a new way in that context of what happens. But let's get into it. So we cut into the Bad Batch and Omega on board the Marauder. So we're like, okay, they're going to get pulled into this. And Omega is meditating. Uh, Echo comes and talks to her about it, and she's talking about how Gungi, our Wookiee Jedi from the last episode, survived the Clone Wars and taught her how to meditate. Taught her how to meditate. Uh, and she likes it, but she's not as good at it as he is because she's not a Jedi. Um, I think that this is like, you know, she's not, yeah, Force-sensitive Omega doesn't seem to be what's happening. I know that was Yeah, like but I like the fact that thing. Star Wars um, right there confirms that, you know, people who are not Force-sensitive also can benefit from meditation. Uh, yeah, like honestly. Anywhere, you know, it's not just for Jedi. <laughs> yeah, and she asks Echo if he wants to try it, and he's like, no, it's not for me. But also he says some very sad things about how he doesn't like to be alone in his own head because he had too much of that when he was being used as a human computer. Yeah, that that was terrifying and really sad. And it's like not something that he talks about very often, understandably, but it's something that I think about a lot about like how horrifically traumatic that experience must have been. Yeah. And the fact that he was like conscious during it, that's just like the most horrible thing to know. Yeah, it's so scary to think about. And basically that that conversation is significant. Part of me was like, okay, big character stuff happening right now. I don't like the sound of that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> how this goes. Fatal character development is a thing. Yeah, but I was like, don't let it be fatal. Dear God, don't let it be fatal. No. Uh, that's Spoiler, it's not fatal, but okay. It, so it then they get... A res- uh, transmission from Rex who says, I need you guys' help. Wrecker's super pumped. Obviously, Echo's immediately on board because that's his boy. Hunter is like, uh, are we going to Coruscant? Hunter's like, uh-uh-uh. That's like kind of as far close to the Imperial Center as possible. And I'm like, yeah, but don't worry, guys. Let's just like... <sighs> so they go. And Omega doesn't even know what Coruscant is, sweet baby girl. And... Tech could have said the whole planet is one giant city. <laughs> I know. But he didn't. He dropped the ball. Coruscant. 
The entire planet is one big city. There's Chancellor Valorum's shuttle. And look over there. Senator Palpatine is waiting for us. It's okay, you know. He does say it's the cannot. He cannot be the backbone in every situation. Sometimes he drops the ball. But as we will see in this episode. Yeah, he does explain that he's, uh, it's the capital of the Galactic Empire. And he echoes like, well, they think we're dead, so they won't be looking for us. And Hunter's like, okay. It's so a big city. They, in fact, it, the entire planet is one big city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say that. Um, mm-hmm. And many do. Um, the entire planet is one big city. It has been said before. So then they go to Coruscant. One big city. Omega's like, whoa, this is so cool. And I'm like, it is. It is, baby girl. It's so cool. They go and meet Rex at the Martez sister's shop. Um, and Rio Chichi's there. And they give him, them all the rundown. Obviously, they're like, yeah, you don't have to tell us twice what happened to Kamino. We were literally like some of the only people there. It was a wild time. Season one finale. Go watch it. And then, yeah, they also look at the corpse right in front of Omega. She's not quite tall enough. There's a body bag. I recognize that she's being brought up by soldiers who were like their only reality is war, but she is a child and there is a dead body and she's just like, poor thing. This child is going to need so much therapy. It's like she needed therapy before she got adopted by them and she's doing better, but she's still going to need a level of therapy from her ongoing experience. My only consolation is that she wasn't tall enough to like look in the little viewing window in the in the body bag, which was kind of very creepy. <laughs> it was terrifying. And they're like, yeah, all the identifying markers have been removed. We don't know who this guy is. But basically Rex explains that the stuff is uh the they need to steal the uh copy, backup copy of the command log on the Venerator class Star Destroyer, which is currently in the shipyard. Uh being retrofitted and it's very very carefully guarded so basically they're gonna have to break into that and they're like well we're not going to bring omega on that mission which is like very smart of her so basically chuchi's like i'll take care of her and like offers to babysit aka Mm -hmm. like let this child shadow her as she does her political thing which is so fun and wonderful. And I'm wondering what the, if they told Chuchi like what Omega's deal is. Cause like she must have been like, who is this child? Like, what's the deal? Did they give her the 411 or is she just like, here I am, ready to mentor this kid? I don't know. She's just she goes for it. And so I mean, you know, I feel like senators like bring kids in for like meet a senator day all the time. You know? That's a thing that senators do. <laughs> I don't doubt why other people aren't questioning it. I am just curious about like, what was her, what background was she given? I mean, like, honestly, she doesn't know anything about like a friend's cousin or something. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she also doesn't know much about the clones, so they probably wouldn't have to say much except for being like, she is a divergent clone like we are. Don't worry about it. And she's like, okay. You know, like, come on. Like, I think that she'd probably be like, look, I don't know much about this whole thing. Sure, yeah, why not? She's not questioning it. Sure, why not? Yeah. She's never seen these guys before either. Plus, literally nobody except for the Kaminoans know that she exists and why she's so special. And most of them are dead now. So honestly, Omega's in a pretty good place in terms of like she being is. able to be an ominous. So yeah, so Chuchi takes Omega all over the Senate, shows her what it's all about, and 
talks to various people. She, Chuchi goes and finds the one remaining senator from Camino, who we had seen in the Clone Wars from like various arcs having to do with Camino. Yeah, and they meet with her and they're like, can you um, talk to us about what happened? And she at first is so dismissive. She's like, listen, I don't know. My people are gone and I don't, I'm just trying to like stay out of it. But feels like a bit of a kind of a callous sort of um, statement. But at the same time, I thought it was really realistic because Mm -hmm. it, it felt like a very real reaction to being like deeply traumatized and like alienated by what happened to your entire species and civilization because of its involvement with this you know with this government that you're now also no longer a part of and she's just like instead of trying to solve the problem by making she's just like completely yeah and i forgot actually to mention the uh that before they go talk to her it's because they meet with bail organa again and he says they should talk to her, uh, Halle Bortuni, Bortoni, because she had previously served on the Defense Finance Committee mm-hmm. before being forcibly removed from the office. And it's that was interesting timing. And yeah, he's like, follow the money. And so once again, super real political stuff going on here. Uh, they go. So that's why they go ask her about it. Um, Cause they're like, what happened to, uh, why did you get removed from the, from the finance committee? And she reveals that Rampart diverted the money for the funds uh, that were supposed to go to the cloning facilities had been slowly siphoned off since the last year, suggesting that they had been planning something. They, ba- they basically ask her to testify that fact. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to. But then Omega is like, no, that's not okay. They destroy. It's not right that they destroyed all of Camino. You need to say something, and it kind of moves moves her. Yeah, basically, she says that she actually has her own suspicions that it was. A Brutoni says she su- suspects it was a planned attack. Right. So she, she agrees to testify. On. And meanwhile, the boys heist. They heist, heist, heist. They get the oh thing. Oh my god! Can we just take a second? I know we're not going to get too into it because we want to, you know keep it short and sweet but tech again i am biased he's my fave but he is the backbone of this backbone. household backbone he, of this every household every single important step of this plan is him it's all tech it's it might as well be the tech show the others have their role to play but tech 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 techy tech 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 yeah he he really he really once again uh saves the day in this one and also yeah cuz they like it's a whole thing where they have to the only way they can get the files is by doing like a power reset on the bridge but that would alert a security breach and so of course all these people start attacking them and it's on Coruscant so like they've got the full breadth of the clone army at its availability. So also during this whole heist, Rex is there too, which is fantastic. Love seeing Rex involved in it. Love seeing Rex working with uh, Echo, getting to see their bond again is so wonderful. Yeah, makes me want to cry. And I just loved the fact that we had the batch back in action. I mean, not that I don't love all these other things going on, but also the episodes where our boys have been doing stuff recently. There've been like a lot of other players involved and it's been a little bit more complicated or they've Mm -hmm. been split up for some reason. This was just, they are on a mission. They are taking out 
a military enemy. It's all of them together. And Rex is there. And it's like, the gang they're using their together. skills. Yeah. They're using their skills. Tech is again, like dominating. Everything is incredible. And the whole visual of massive Venerator Star Destroyer on Coruscant, like dry docked basically for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. And then being like commandeered and the way that it gets destroyed in the end, like on the surface of just this, you know, this port on the planet. It was just so cool from a visual perspective so cool. too. It was yeah. rad. And then all of the, you know, the defenses that get activated. It was just, it was such a cool sequence. I love so it. Cool. I was riding high. It was so good. All right. And then, so yeah, they, they successfully steal the, the backup uh, command log and escape. And meanwhile, they're running down the clock. It's the final vote on the Imperial Defense Recruitment Bill. They haven't gotten delivered the the proof yet. So instead, uh, as they're voting, Chuchi interrupts the proceedings with the uh, you know wild card that she's got Bertoni there to uh, to testify what happened with the funds, and then Chuchi uses that to accuse formally Rampart of intentionally destroying Topoka City and the uh, cloning facilities on Camino and covering it up. And he's like, these are lies and they're all about, everything's about to go to, to shit because he's like, you don't have any proof. Omega's, by the way, watching this, uh, but from sort of the background, she's not in the pod, but she is able to be there as sort of a courier and she gets, they deliver the data package to Omega, who then can bring it to Senator Organa, who brings it and boom, they got the proof. They play the recording in front of everybody showing very clearly Topoka City being destroyed by the Imperial Star Destroyer giant hologram filling the entire Senate Hall. Mm-hmm. So cool. And Visually, everybody's yeah. like, everybody's like, whoa. And we're like, they did it. They did it. They proved it. And everyone's yeah, shocked. Except for the outrage. fact that you know, as a viewer, that something you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know from everything else going on in Star Wars that this is not going to be a game changer for anything. So something is about to happen. And sure enough, something does. We get some good old fashioned Rogue One sounding sirens and boom, Emperor Palpatine rises out of the floor with Massimeda. Beam playing full blast. Oh man, just cutting through the, the hologram. Just being like, my cue is here. It's just full on emperor. Just like, Mm -hmm. we got the voice. We got the music. It's so good. He basically is like, thank you so much, Chuchi, for revealing this act of treason on the part of Rampart. This is a tragedy and your revelations are so valued he's like he's like thank you senator tucci so the thing that gets me about it is that you know obviously the people involved in seeing this aren't going to be able to put this together in their minds because this is all happening so fast but it's so obvious to us as a viewer that he's like saying prepared remarks this is a speech that he's written that has been written for him and that he's rehearsed for an event that seems completely unpredictable and spontaneous but he's there like waiting to come out of the wings on cue to give this prepared speech about this thing that has supposedly just been revealed because she just got the files from this heist on time 
Yeah, he was ready for this possibility. Very ready. Well, he wasn't just ready. He was, this was it. This was what he wanted. I mean, because it works out perfectly because you know what? He's like, not only will Rampart be immediately arrested and will face consequences for his actions. And then he's literally being arrested as they speak. But also the clones under his command followed these orders too. Therefore, they are also guilty of this. Suddenly, he's able to say, so that makes it even more pressing that we immediately disband the clone army and pass the defense recruitment bill so that we can have soldiers who won't do things like this and that will usher in the new era of the Imperial Stormtrooper. He literally gets everything he wants. And not only that, because suddenly he can be like, the clones are dangerous. They did this too. He can suddenly be like, and fuck the clones, by the way. No, no provisions for them. They told the truth and literally every, they got nothing good from it. Mm-hmm. Only bad from it because that's an Emperor Palpatine move. And that's yeah. the thing is like the empire can be stupid. We talk over and over again about how stupid the empire can be. And you know what? Palpatine can be stupid in some ways because it is yeah, his empire. In the grand scheme, he is because at the end, his, you know, destruction is because of his hubris. But man, when he has a, a genius move, it is insane. This was like a microcosmic version of, um, of the, you know, whole Order 66 game plan. This is like, you know, on a much smaller scale, but the amount of manipulation of seemingly, you know, other people's ideas that they had that were their own, that were clearly actually under his manipulation that played right into his pocket. Like, damn. I mean, even our baby girl Omega is a pawn in it. I I know, it's horrible. And the thing is, it's like, it's just so tragic. It's, It's just so bad. I don't even know what to say. It's just so, it's also just such a brilliant storytelling move to explain how all of this process of this full replacement could have happened. It's, it's just, it's brilliant writing, but it's also just so, so sad. Uh, incredible. One of the best moments of like a unexpected Star Wars storytelling ever, in my opinion. Yeah, easily. Oh yeah. I mean, these two episodes together and particularly the way that this one ended, like within like the top tier of any Star Wars storytelling. Oh my God. And then, all right. So then we have this very sad denouement scene in which they're all at the Martez sisters being like, what the hell? We like, they're just lamenting. And Omega, poor Omega is so confused. She's like, we, t- I don't understand. We told the truth and it made things worse. That poor girl has had so much, like she is so, she believes so much in like people being good and doing what's right equals doing good. And then suddenly she was front row center to not only the opposite of that, doing what's right equals something bad happening as a direct result of you attempting to do what's right, but also something personal to her because now suddenly her and the actions of her, of her family, they they just condemned their, the clones, which they are to like some sort of very sad, horrible future. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God, this poor child. And like Lin Chi Chi tries to like reassure her that she's not going to stop fighting for the clones rights. But like, 
How much is she you going know, to be able to do? She's not going to be able to do anything. I just want to give her such a big hug. It's so sad. And it's so perfectly encapsulates why the emperor, empire and the emperor and fascism is so evil. That mm-hmm. in those systems, even the attempt to tell the truth, to do what's right, can be twisted to further the oppression. Yeah. And can do harm to the very people that you're trying to help. It's so real. It's so sad. And it's kind of like, well, then what's the answer? And it doesn't give you an easy answer, except that you have to kind of honestly, the easy answer that that is probably going to come of it is you can't just rely anymore in these sorts of systems on just telling the truth in a public forum. That's when you have to start doing revolution, insurgency, rebellion. When we're getting more into Andor stuff that way. Yeah, it's very much like that. It's like there's there comes a point where you have to start doing it that way. And it's like Mon Mothma coming to that realization in Andor after failing uh, to get anything done in a public forum anymore. Mm-hmm. And like sort of having to deal with that reality. So mm-hmm. yeah, this show's not messing around. Yeah. And then they all start saying goodbye to Echo. Poor Omega is like, why are we saying goodbye? Well, also I am internally like Omega, like what is happening? No, do not like this. What is going on? It breaks my heart. And I'm like, I know they're not good at this, but they couldn't have talked to her about it a little more ahead of time. Uh, they could have talked to me about it a little more ahead of time. Like, Echo's Honestly. one of my babies. Yeah, I, love I them know. All, but Echo's also very important to me. Echo and Omega have a moment alone, and he explains that he's not coming with the rest of them. He's going to join Rex because he wants to help Rex in the fight for the, the clones and this new sort of proto-rebellion that Rex has going on. Oh, and poor Omega. She's like, she doesn't understand. She's like, but we need you too. And I just, oh, Michelle Ong is so good. And the animation, it breaks my heart. I'm crying. You can't see my face right now, but I am literally like covering it with my hands and like, just like fully curling into a ball right now. Like this is not an exaggeration. That's what I'm doing. Echo's like, I promise I will come back. You won't. This is not goodbye. Fucking better be better but i'm also like i recognize from like a sense of loving like deeply loving echo that this is something he needs because he has always been a part of he's always been about a bigger kind of sense of purpose with this and that Mm -hmm. you see that the very beginning of this season with him telling hunter that they need to be doing more and you can tell that it's really tearing him up inside and his bond with with Rex is so important and Mm -hmm. like the way that he's always been so driven by like a higher purpose and it's always been kind of in the making that he was going to make this decision and it feels right for him that he's back with Rex and they're doing this together yeah totally yeah it does feel right for him and we know that this is what he he wants to do Mm -hmm. but it's still Mm -hmm. so sad but it's also like well what's the batch gonna do because in some ways he was kind of their moral conscience like he was like being like we need he was the one who was constantly on them being like we need to be doing more you know we'll see what happens with them now Mm -hmm. they're gonna have to make a change though this is clearly like this is a galaxy changing course of events but Omega and Echo have a big hug and she's crying and she goes back on the ship and then she's just in her room hugging her little Lula doll and then it's the end. And I uh, just 
throw myself into a black hole. Yeah. So that was those incredible mid-season episodes of The Bad Batch. I think that this is a whole new game now. I think that this show, uh, this season from here on in is going to be like very focused on what's been going on, what what the impact of this event, the impact of what the clones, what the Batch learned from this event what 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 will that how will that affect what they plan to do with themselves and their lives like i think this reckoning with working for sid and all this stuff is going to really come to a head we didn't mm-hmm. see crosshair in this episode which was like so we haven't seen him in a while and it's like what's going to happen there rampart is like out of the picture i guess but like what is going to happen yeah, with well, that that's surprising because i was telling you at the beginning of this you know, season that I was thinking that Rampart was going to be kind of a big factor because he knows now that the batch is still out there and he knows that he can't let anybody else know, but he also knows that Crosshair knows. But now if he's out of the picture, that kind of frees Crosshair up. What if he though, what if Rampart, I don't know if there's a way he could use that as that like now he couldn't tell anyone the bad batch was alive, but now he's already screwed so can yeah. he use that as a bargaining chip in some way? Yeah, I don't nothing know. Nothing left to lose. So maybe it's so like maybe actually... he can start talking, and then that puts Crosshair in an awkward position. So this season's going to get wild. I mean, that was like I said, some of the best Star Wars storytelling I've seen, and/or reminiscent. And I just I, I'm ready for this very political, very like macro version of this show to really take off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be heavy and it's going to be big. Just to explode it outside of, and I love my family of, Mm -hmm. you know, Omega and her dad so much, but just to explode it because it always was a story about the clones, Mm -hmm. but to expand it even more so into like this massive story about this this injustice committed against them and what happens. The consequences of what happens to the remnants of this. Of yeah, it's, event and and the Clone Wars in general. It's going to be so good. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah, this show is where it's at, and I'm so glad that we get to talk about it on this show. Now that this season has really picked up, I think we're going to try and do weekly releases just because it's just, we can tell this is going to be big deal stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, we just had to jump ahead because we were like, I, I'm sorry, I can't talk about solving Zelda puzzles anymore. I got to talk about this, you know? <laughs> There's a time and a place for Zelda puzzles. Well, that's been a talk of the clones. So subscribe on Spotify to Best One Since the Next One so you don't miss an episode and get your little bell selected on there. And also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, to keep up with more updates about the uh, awesome second season of The Bad Batch. Yeah, where it's at. Um, Along with all the other rad stuff that's coming out of this show. Yeah. So five stars. Make sure you give it too. (laughs) Um, We're good at this. (laughs) Yeah, we still haven't figured out an outro and we're not going to pretend. There's not going to be an outro, Allison. (laughs) All right. So there will never be an outro. That's our outro. This is our outro. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this has been uh, Talk the Clones. I'm Stephanie. I'm Allison. And uh, have a a cloney week. (laughs) That's not not our outro. (laughs) Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.